You're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. Amazing to have you guys with us, and we're continuing the Book of Acts series. We're in part two, and uh, I have to say, some of you guys are in this stage of life right now where you have a lot of kids that ask a lot of questions, those little kids that just question, 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 question. I have to say, uh, we've got all teenagers in our home now, and I miss those days. I know you don't think you will, but but you miss those days. Some one of our family friends recently wrote online that her child had just set the Guinness record for questions by 10:30 a.m. You know, like just flying through questions, you know, and I just, I do, I miss those days, you'd be driving in the car, and one of the kids just goes, mom, dad, why is the sky blue, you know, and they're like, well, is it, is it really blue, is it reflecting the water, or is the water reflecting the sky, and you go into this deep discourse on why the sky is blue, and, and, and about four seconds in, they're like, and why doesn't the glue stick to the inside of the bottle, and you're like, that has nothing to do with the previous question, I was discoursing here, right, and you miss sometimes those questions, and you know, in life, we have some questions in our relationship with God. And when it comes to the Bible, there are really great questions. And so in this series, as we explore the book of Acts, we're going to be looking at some questions. And today I want to talk with you about some important things. We kicked off last week and we're going to continue in Acts chapter two today. And one of the questions we're going to talk about today is when do we get the Holy Spirit? When do we get God's presence in our life? We talked about the Holy Spirit last week. We're going to talk a little bit more about it today. Some of you guys might be asking this question, why should I be excited, like unbelievably, incredibly blown away that the Holy Spirit is in my life? We're going to talk about that here this morning as well. Maybe some of you are saying, well, all right, the Holy Spirit in my life and closeness with the Holy Spirit, is that a one-time thing? Like it's just God just gives the Holy Spirit and then that's that? Or is there more? And I want to talk with you about that. Some of you might say, well, I got to be honest, Doug, I have been kind of turned off to the Holy Spirit because I've seen some stuff. I've seen some weird things, some things that make me uncomfortable, and we addressed this a little bit last week, but I just want our church to know we so badly need closeness with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, cool. All right, good. A bunch of us are saying amen. We so badly need closeness with the Holy Spirit, and we tackled some of the, things, some of the obstacles to closeness with the Holy Spirit last week that kind of get in the way, things that weird us out a little bit. We'll talk a little bit more about that today, but there's some very clear guidelines in the scripture that help us know how to navigate this stuff. And then lastly, some of you guys are here, you're like, I'm not really worried about the Holy Spirit. I'm just trying to figure out Jesus. I'm just trying to figure out if I can be absolutely convinced and sure that he is alive and well. I need some proof. I have an analytical mind. I've been through some hard stuff in my life. My heart might be a little bit cold toward really believing in a risen Savior. So Doug, please hit me with some proof today. So that's what we're going to spend our time on here today. And as I've been saying in this series, we're just going where the scripture takes us, okay? We're going to go through the book of Acts and where it takes us is is what we'll be talking about here. And this is just big stuff to talk about. Answers to our questions. Did you know that? That God wants to give you answers to your questions and that when he answers our questions about the Holy Spirit, about can we trust that Jesus is actually alive, it really has a way of changing everything. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're going to see today an amazing relationship with Jesus is available to you. His love for you and his desire to be close to you. So everybody say Acts. As we saw last week, why was it called the book of Acts? Because it it shows us the acts or actions of the Holy Spirit and the early church. Everybody say Luke. Luke wrote 
this book for us along with the Gospel of Luke. He was a friend and a physician of, he was a friend of, of Paul and a physician and a missionary. Why did he write it? Okay, we're going to hit these again. Four primary reasons the book of Acts was written. Everybody say history. So Paul, or Luke wanted us to know the history of the early church and what God was doing back in that day. Everybody say theology. It's the study of God. He wanted us to know God's plans and designs for his church and his people. Everybody say apologetics. This is about the defense of our faith, that there are answers to objections to our faith and that we can bring a reasoned argument about the different things that have to do with the scripture and Jesus. And Luke wrote with great accuracy. We're going to dive into that a little bit more next week. Everybody say example. Luke wanted the, this book to be an example to us. And I have to tell you, I'm just a couple chapters in, but I didn't realize how badly I needed this book of Acts series. I didn't realize how badly I needed it because God's just been speaking to me about things for the church. God's been really putting things on my heart, and I'm excited. Kind of just stay tuned as we walk through this series. There's some new things coming that I think God wants to do to bring a lot of life and health and passion to our church family. So I'm excited about that because I feel like this book is really challenging me personally. And so last week we saw some things. We talked about the Holy Spirit. We talked about taking the Bible seriously. We talked about how uh, there are things the church should and shouldn't be focused on, that there are things we all should and shouldn't be focused on. We talked about control, that often we try to control some stuff that we have to just say, the Holy Spirit's got it, Jesus is on it, and the Father has a plan. Amen? Right? There's some stuff we just have to say, it's yours, Lord right? Even the disciples we saw last week, risen Savior comes back and they go, awesome, now it's time, political movement, restore Israel to us, right? Overthrow the Roman Empire, give us back Israel. And what does Jesus say? The Father has that under control. Here's what I want you to focus on. Wait for the Holy Spirit and be my witnesses. We saw last week, if the church would do that, and again, nothing wrong with politics, being involved, caring, around, caring about all that stuff, but just be reminded that is not the hope of the world, right? No amens on that one. All right. That is not the hope of the world. It is important, but the hope of the world is the Holy Spirit in our lives and us being the witnesses God wants us to be. Amen? All right. We believe that. Cool. Let's jump in. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Everybody's gathered together in one spot. Now, remember what they were doing. We saw it last week. They were not doing a cornhole tournament, right? This was not underwater basket weaving conference. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit. They were praying and excited about what God wanted to do. And it goes on in verse 2. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Are you imagining this? Remember I said last week, a lot of us, when we read books, it comes to life in our mind. Also, I think with movies, right, you see it on the screen. Can you just imagine this? Here they are, a blowing wind, right, came from heaven, filled the house. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes in this powerful way. They have this incredibly amazing experience in God's presence. And the verses today are going to bring up a few things that get debated, okay? And I, I told you last week, there are things I might might say today that you might disagree with or some of my great pastor friends on the island might disagree with and I can have nuggets and a diet coke with all of you and talk about it right 
We can be mature and unified around things even we might disagree on in the scriptures. And I have great friends, pastors, and, and a lot of us are close and united around certain things, even though we might have a different take on some things. But here is what I believe and where our church stands on these things. So when do we get the Holy Spirit? That's the first question, right? When do we get the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit comes into our life as soon as we put our trust in Jesus. Check out a few verses, Romans 8, 9. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ, right? So you can't say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and he hasn't yet put the Holy Spirit in your life. It all happens at the same moment. Ephesians 1.13, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, listen, and believed in him, when you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So if you've believed, you've received the Holy Spirit. Next question, why should I be unbelievably thankful and excited that the Holy Spirit is in my life. Because as we saw last week, he is the, does anybody remember? He is the what? Oof, you guys are good. He is the helper. Jesus, I'm gonna send you a helper. If Jesus says he's sending me some help, I want that help. And some of us, again, we're resistant to the Holy Spirit because maybe you had a bad experience or you saw something weird on YouTube or you grew up in a church and things were just kind of nutty and crazy. Or maybe you grew up in a church that was very rigid and anti-Holy Spirit. So we got to like push a lot of this aside and work through it. And we have to just really say, Holy Spirit, we want you in our lives. You should be incredibly, unbelievably excited the Holy Spirit's in your life because the helper comes to bring guidance to bring the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Anybody need any of those things? I just listed. I couldn't even list them all before I almost ran out of breath on that one because the Holy Spirit does so many things. He brings conviction in our life when we're doing things we shouldn't be doing. He moves powerfully and shows up. I said it last week, and we say this all the time. He does the heavy lifting in our lives. Some of us are trying to do the heavy lifting ourselves. I had to pick up some heavy stuff yesterday. I have some, I tell you all this time because it just makes me insane, but the deer continue to eat my trees. And so you guys know where I'm going. You guys know, right? And so what I did yesterday was I moved some ones, some trees that had been eaten and I swapped them with some trees that were really nice and grown. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to be great. I'll just swap them. Then you can see, you know, I'll kind of hide the other ones and the, and the place is not so visible. And so I go over there and I go to pick up that first one. I could not believe how, it's not a huge tree, everybody. I'm just, I'm 45 and I don't know what it was, but I, I went to pick this thing up and I was like, what just happened? Like, I need some help here lifting these things. And some of us are going over to our porn struggle, trying to just do this on our own. We're going over to our addiction or our gossip issue. And we're like, I just can't stop. I can't stop. It just, it's killing me. It's too heavy. I need some leverage, right? I need somebody to lift this for me. And the Holy Spirit wants to come and do and be that in our lives. So everybody, we need the Holy Spirit. If you grew up in a church that was anti-Holy Spirit, if you grew up in a church that was crazy Holy Spirit, if you've had some weird experiences, good experiences, bad experiences, all of us should leave here today saying, Holy Spirit, I want more of you. I need you in my life. Oh, helper, come help me. Question three. So we get the Holy Spirit and we put our trust in Jesus, but is it a one-time thing? Like, do we just have one experience with the Holy Spirit and then that's that? Well, I want you to read Ephesians 5.18 with me. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled. Everybody say filled. Filled with the Spirit. If you do some research on this, this phrase in the Greek means it's the continuous present tense, and it means be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. 
okay? So the continuous present tense is like this ongoing here and now thing in my life. The Spirit of God should be working in me. In fact, next week, we're going to read this verse together. Read this with me in Acts 4.31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Okay, everybody say Acts 4. Now everybody say Acts 2. Okay, so we just read Acts 4. The Holy Spirit came, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. But we just read Acts 2, where the same people were already gathered and filled with the Holy Spirit. So it means the Holy Spirit continually wants to be moving in our lives in new ways. It's not like we lose the Holy Spirit. Oh, I lost the Holy Spirit. I got to go get him again. No, he's in us. It's a refreshing. Let me use an example from the godliest of all places, Chick-fil-A, of course, right? When you're at Chick-fil-A, what do they do? They come over and they see your cup. And what do they say? Can I get you a? No. Refill. Refresh. Refresh. Come on. Phil worked there. You know, Phil, thank you very much. It's a refresh, right? Can I get you a refresh? And I like that word. You know why I like that word? Because Chick-fil-A says it. No, no, no. I like that word because refill means that you're empty, right? A refresh means let me get you some more. And so often Phil and his buddies, right, they're on top of it at Chick-fil-A coming going, oh, before you're even done, they're going to refresh you. And the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's not like we lost them and he leaked out or, right? He's in our lives, but he so often wants to refresh us. And you've experienced this, many of you, right? You already have the Holy Spirit in your life, and you know that because he has been your helper. He has guided you, led you. And this Greek phrase, this continuous, present filling is going on. But haven't you sometimes been at church, been at community group, been on a walk, praying, been on a hike alone with God, been on a youth retreat, and all of a sudden it was like, whoa, I just got to refresh. God just moved in my life in a new way. Everybody, we need a refresh. We need the Holy Spirit, newness, more of him, closeness with him. And now back to Acts 2, okay? So the Holy Spirit falls on them, and it says this, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So now they're speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives them the ability to do. And here is another highly debated topic, okay? And again, I hope to just help you get around some of this today. And everything I'm saying, by the way, we can have a conversation about. We can continue to talk and explore. You know, we're trying to get through the book of Acts, which is a long book. And so I can cover some stuff, and then we got to kind of move on. But, but let's have conversations if you have questions about this stuff. And I can certainly recommend some places you read as well. So, so what's the deal with the speaking in tongues? Because I think this is something that the church has done a really, the church at large has done a bad job of kind of doing biblically. And I think it's pushed a lot of people away from God, or it's made a lot of Christians go, I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit, okay? Big mistake. Don't ever say, I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. We so badly need him in our life. Why would I look at God the helper and say, I don't want you in my life? I'm afraid of you. I don't need you. I'd rather not. That's for super Christians. The super Christians get the Holy Spirit. No, we all need the Holy Spirit. So how do we navigate this idea? And this is question three. How do we handle some of the confusion about some of the things the Holy Spirit does? And I think one of the biggest ones is speaking in tongues. So, so what is this about? Well, everybody say three. 
All right, there are three types of speaking in tongues in the scriptures, and I think that's a part of the thing we don't understand, okay? The first one is other languages, like actual spoken human languages. And that's what happens here in this passage. Read with me. So they speak in tongues, and here's what it says in Acts 2.5. Acts now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one, excuse me, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans, then how is it each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Tatooine. I just just want to make sure you were listening. There's a lot of cities in there. Okay. All right. All right. Persia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear, this is what they say, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Can you imagine? Imagine this room was just full of people with all, spoke all different languages, and suddenly a bunch of us, you know, the worship team just started to speak in all of your languages the messages of God. Now, that's incredible. I have to be honest. I've never experienced that, you know? Like, I wasn't just walking down the street one day, and I, suddenly I could, you know, an Italian person walked by, and I could speak Italian and tell them God loves you, which, by the way, is not, God, I love you. That's not, that's not how it works, okay? I think a lot of us think that's how it works. It's not how it works, all right? But I have a friend who knew somebody that worked at a gas station, and you want to talk about God's Spirit just moving on anybody whenever the Holy Spirit wants to move, working at a gas station one day, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just put on him this phrase to speak, and, he, and, he's, and he's timid. He's not like yelling this phrase out, but he's pumping gas, and he just starts to say this phrase over and over again quietly. And the lady who's pumping gas for her just rolls down her window and says, what did you say? And he says the phrase again. And she says, I'm from, I don't even know what country it was, I'm from whatever country and you just told me in my perfect native tongue that God loves me, right? Like, God just doing his thing. Do I get it all? Do I understand it all? No. But we need the Holy Spirit to move mightily in our lives. So that's the first kind of speaking in tongues that we see in Scripture. The second one is a message that is given to someone another person interprets, has the interpretation. And then the third one is the one I think that is most confusing and the church at large has most kind of messed up and I think it's pushed people away, okay? The third one is a devotional tongue. It's a prayer tongue. It's praying to God, okay? And Paul lays this all out in 1 Corinthians 14 and he talks about how we get to speak mysteries to God. And I think so often what we don't realize is, is that when things like that happen, Paul puts some, some restrictions on that. Remember last week I said that we have freedom in the spirit, but it's freedom within a framework. You know, it's not just like free for all. I think that's what turns a lot of people away from the Holy Spirit. It's freedom within a framework. And so Paul tells us that that kind of prayer should be done quietly just to God. That's just us and God. And this is where I think, again, not to step on toes. Again, I'm friends with a lot of pastors on the island that would disagree with me on this. But I think this is what we're, one of the ones we've kind of messed up. I think we've, you know, sometimes you go, go into a church environment and everyone's screaming and yelling and, and, and it's like, no, that's God's a God of order, not chaos, right? And so 
there's this prayer, beautiful prayer devotional tongue that we can have to the Lord, but it's between us and God. In fact, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13, 23. Uh, excuse me, that should be said 14. Uh, so if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? Like Paul says it really clearly there. As Christians gathered for a church service, we don't want a bunch of unbelievers coming in or people coming in and going, these people are crazy, man. Everyone's just screaming and yelling and right? It's about us and God. And Paul always puts this restriction on the church. Anything you do in the church has to edify somebody else in the church, right? It's about the other people, all right? So it's like, oh, I just want my freedom to do what I want to do. Well, that's not what happens here because God has given us some freedom, but it's freedom within the framework. Okay, so hey, if any of that you disagree with or you're questioning or you're wondering or seems weird, let's talk. Let's talk. Have a conversation about it. Let's dig deeper on it. Acts 2.12. Amazed and perplexed. Remember, these people had just heard in this, in this legit foreign tongue, their own language, they just heard the message of God. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Peter's going, even for drinkers, nine's a little early, right? God's power just showed up in amazing ways. That's why you're hearing your own language, and you're hearing the wonders of God spoken. And then he says this in verse 16. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. The Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives, everybody. And we need it. We need it, man. Our, our kids need it. Our youth need it. Our generation needs it. The culture around us needs it. He goes on. He says, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great day and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Did you hear that? Look, the world's a mess. Some crazy stuff in the end times and all that, right? You get into billows of smoke or, you know, all this stuff. But there's a great savior from all of that, right? There's one who wants to give us salvation and forgiveness and hope in him. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that leads us to our fourth question. And some of you are here and you've been enduring me for 20 minutes now talking about the Holy Spirit. And you're really not so worried about that. You just want to know, how can I really take Jesus seriously? Honestly, 2023, can I really believe that Jesus is alive? Do you have some proof for me? Well, let's jump into the next part. I need detailed proof for the resurrection. Here we go. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves known. So Jesus came on the scene. He wasn't just a normal guy, right? He wasn't just even uh, just somebody special or somebody who had a great gift of speaking or preaching. He was doing miracles. He was raising the dead. He was setting demon-possessed people free. He was, at, at the same time, perfectly loving, and the most sinful person in the room was drawn to him. Amazing. So Jesus shows up, and he's just different. Can I ask you a question today? Have you looked into him? Like, have you? I know some of you are here because it's Mother's Day, and you came because you love your mom or your wife. Have you looked into him? Have you said, 
man, could, could this Savior be the exact thing I'm looking for? Could the, the forgiveness of my sin, the satisfaction of my soul, the hope, all those things that I need. How does this work? Luke goes on. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So he's nailed to the cross, placed in the grave, rises back from the dead. Now here, everybody who is a Christian, I want you to think about this for a second, okay? If you're a follower of Jesus here today, I want to encourage you with something. I want you to really hang on through these next verses. Because you might say, well, I already believe all this stuff about Jesus. Yeah, but let it strengthen your faith and allow it to equip you to reach out to others with some of the things we're gonna hear. It goes on in verse 25. David said about him. Peter is about to quote something that David said. Everybody say, uh, when did he say it? Oh, nobody said it. Nobody said it. Rosemary said it. Thank you, Rosemary. Happy Mother's Day, Rosemary. Glad you're here. Thank you so much. We set that up perfectly. I'll pay you later. That was great. Everybody say, when did he say it? All right, there we go. David said this information he's about to say in these next verses a thousand years before Jesus came, okay? Here's what he says. He says, fellow Israelites, oh, I'm sorry, my laptop, my thing here just got slid a little bit and I lost my place. Okay. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. Just question real quick. Don't raise your hand, but anybody in the room just shaking right now? Shaking like in life, right? He says, I will not be shaken because the Lord is always before me. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Anybody here not have a happy heart, a glad heart? David's saying, I know where to find a glad heart. My, my body will also rest in hope. Anybody here going, man, I could use some hope. David's pointing us to hope, pointing us to gladness. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let your Holy One see decay. He's talking about Jesus. This is a prophecy. A thousand years before Jesus comes, David is prophesying Jesus will come, and he will end up in a grave, but he will not decay in that grave. Amen? He will come back to life, and he'll be free from that cave. He says, you've made known to me the path of life. You'll fill me with joy in your presence. And then in verse 29, he says, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died. This is what Peter says. He died and he was buried and his tomb is here to this day. He's like, look, none of us are doubting David's dead because we could go visit his tomb. But he was a prophet, verse 30 says, and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. And so David's tomb is still there, but Jesus' tomb is empty. And remember, this isn't just based on theory. Look at what it says in the next part, verse 32. God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Peter's going, hey, we saw this. This isn't like theory. We actually saw this happen. I don't know what you've seen with your own eyes. I've seen some cool stuff. I've been in the Grand Canyon. Pretty cool to see that with my own eyes. I've seen Mount Rushmore. Pretty cool to see that with my own eyes. I've probably seen the world's biggest ball of yarn thanks to my mom on some crazy vacation. And I say this all the time, Peter and John and the other disciples, right, they didn't just see this, they suffered for it. Many of them died for it. And so this is stuff that you can put your trust in and say, wow, okay, maybe there is some evidence to the fact that Jesus actually is alive. And again, I'll just say it again, if you're a follower of Jesus and you know some of this stuff, let it take your faith deeper and let it be something that empowers you to reach others. It goes on, exalted to the right hand of God, he was received from the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, 
and has poured out what you now see and hear. He's saying, okay, because Jesus died and rose again, that's why we're experiencing some pretty unbelievable stuff today as the Spirit of God is being poured out. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. I don't know if anyone here in the room is still looking for the Messiah, but Peter's trying to get your attention here. Maybe you're going, man, who's that Savior? Still waiting? No. Peter's saying, Jesus is that Messiah. And then when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Everybody say, what shall we do? That is such a great question. In response to Jesus coming and dying and rising from the dead, what shall we do? He goes on. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see a few really important things right there in those verses. The first thing is repent. Everybody say metanoa. That is the Greek word here, and it means to repent. What does repent mean? It means to change directions, change your mind. Change directions, change your mind. Some of us are going on a certain direction in our life right now, and we need to repent. I think sometimes we think repent means to get on our knees and confess all of our sins to God. That's confession. Repentance is a turning and a changing and a believing differently than we have before. And some of us desperately need to do that here today. We've been trying to save ourselves. We've been trying to find satisfaction in the things of the world. And maybe today's the day to change and turn and repent to the one who forgives sin and gives the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, be baptized. That's the second thing we see here. And we've said this before, baptism doesn't save you, right? But it's something that celebrates the things God's done. Last Sunday at the 1130 service, we had an incredible baptism. I know most of you guys are 930 people, so you missed it. But we had a baptism for a a 15-year-old girl. And she got in this tank, and she talked about how in the past when she's looked in the mirror, she hates herself, she's cut herself, she can't stand herself, thought she'd ever be anybody. And then she testified spoke about the things God's done. Now she looks in the mirror and sees a child of God. Somebody changed by what God can do in her life. That's a 15-year-old kid, high school, that goes to school with my daughter, right? Like This is what God does in our lives. This is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. So incredibly beautiful picture of baptism last week. But Anna was saved before she got in the tank, right? She already knew Jesus. That was just a declaration and a picture of what God was doing. And I don't know about you guys, but... Um, High school graduation, how many of you guys went to your own high school graduation? Everybody, everybody go? All right, good. How many of you guys went to your college graduation? Okay, so I graduated college, but I didn't go to my graduation. I just didn't want to go, right? And it was a little awkward because a couple of my friends drove an hour and a half to see me, and they sat through the whole thing, and I got a call. They're like, where were you, bro? <laughs> Announce your name. It's just an empty stage. I'm like, sorry about that. But I graduated, right? I graduated, right? The graduation ceremony was just the outward expression, the celebration of what I'd already, you know, had already been accomplished. And so we're told to get baptized. In fact, Jesus says, do it, all right? So he didn't tell me to go to my graduation ceremony, but he does say, be baptized. Do be baptized because it's this beautiful celebration of what God's done. We see in this verse the forgiveness of sins. We can be have uh, our debts canceled. We see given the Holy Spirit, right? And then in verse 39, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Everybody in the room that's a parent, just look at me now real quick. Parents, keep fighting for your kids. Keep fighting for your kids. I love this verse, this generational verse. We're going to keep fighting for our kids in prayer. We're going to keep believing that the Lord's going to show up. Do you know how many times in 20-something years of ministry I've heard somebody say this? Oh, man, I grew up in church. I love the Lord, but I got distracted. I made some really bad choices. 
But my parents were praying for me. I came back. And I'm so thankful. And I wish I hadn't left. Those five years, those 10 years, I made so many stupid decisions, so many things I regret. I wish I'd just stayed with the Lord. But I came back and my parents kept praying for me and encouraging me and fighting for me. You know how many times I've heard somebody say, oh, my parents got saved. I didn't want anything to do with it. They did their church stuff, but eventually one Easter, one Christmas, one Mother's Day, right? I went to church and it just all clicked. And God began to do something new. And my parents keep on praying and fighting for your kids. Little kids, your little beautiful, perfect kids that you're like, they'll never, find, you know, they'll never wander, they'll never. Fight for them now. Fight for them now in prayer. Train them up in what God has for them. Because I love words like this. The promises for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Peter is looking at the crowd going, oh my gosh, you think that the things this world has to offer is going to somehow save you or satisfy you. No, please be warned. It doesn't have it. Only Jesus has what you're looking for. And then he says this in verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000, everybody say 3,000, were added to their number that day. Everybody, God was moving in the early church. God was moving mightily, and we need God to move in our lives so desperately. And so, what do we see today? When do we get the Holy Spirit? As soon as we believe. Is it a one-time thing? No, he wants to keep refreshing us. And if I could just plead with you, I would say keep asking for that refreshing. Keep on seeking the Holy Spirit. Keep on praying prayers like this. Holy Spirit, more of you, that I'd know you more that we'd be closer, that you'd remove my fears if you grew up in a church and it was anti-Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you, that's not biblical, right? Come to the, research it for yourself. Let's have conversation, but, but jump into the scriptures and see all the things the Holy Spirit wants to do. And if we grew up in a crazy church and things were a little nutty and that turned us off to the Holy Spirit, again, I would think that's not biblical. Let's look into the, the word of God together. But Open up your heart to the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you're going, I don't even know about all this Jesus stuff, I pray some of the things we've seen today have encouraged you. I pray you've, you've seen prophecy a thousand years before Jesus came. You've seen an eyewitness talk about what he saw, and then he was crucified upside down, by the way, which we'll get into next week. Peter was. And so we see incredible things happening in this early church. And my prayer is that you and I will respond to it by going, I am hungry for more, God. I am hungry for more of what you have for me. I want to know you. I want to be closer. This past week, I was just doing a little prayer walk around my neighborhood, and I just kept praying a very similar theme over and over again. I just kept saying, God, show us your glory. Show us you, God. Show us you. You know what? We can preach, and that's good. We can do worship, and that's important. We can come together and pray and talk and counsel. All that's wonderful. Great programs for our kids and our youth. We can do all that. God, show us you. Give us those glimpses because that's what changes everything. And so my prayer for our church, if you are a believer in Christ today, is that all of us together would say, Holy Spirit, we want more. We want, we want more. Remember what we saw last week? We said this. Holy Spirit, whatever is you we want, whatever is not we drop. I just want you. I just want the real thing. I don't need a big show. I, we are emotional people, and so when we get excited and we approach the Lord, sometimes we get excited, and that's a good and awesome thing, but we don't need emotionalism. Holy Spirit, we just truly, genuinely want you because you're the helper, and you do the heavy lifting that I can. 
If you have any questions, let's talk. If you have some confusion or you're frustrated about something or you just need to go a little deeper on a question or a topic, let's do that. But I pray today we'd all leave saying, Holy Spirit, more, 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 more of you. I'm done my way. I'm tired of trying to do the heavy lift. I'm trying, tired of trying to find satisfaction there. Holy Spirit, you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I pray the prophecies, the eyewitnesses, the miracles Jesus did, the way he's shown up and the difference he's making in our lives, even Anna, that 15-year-old last week, I pray that that would be something that today would make you go, I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want to ask him for this Savior and this Holy Spirit, this helper in my life. Let's pray together. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the helper in our lives. Thank you that you want to do new things. Can you guys just stand with me? Can you just kind of stay tuned in to what God's wanting to do here? Can you just ask the Holy Spirit? Just say, Spirit of God, refresh me. Refresh me, God. Thank you that you're with me. You have not left me. You're always in me, but refresh me. Would you maybe just pray, Holy Spirit, I just want you. Show me your glory. Holy Spirit, more of your presence in my life. Maybe some of us here today, and I, you know what? Like I said, this isn't about emotionalism, but, but I would encourage you even just kind of just put your hands out like this. You know, just, just almost in this, submit, in, in, this, in this like surrendered place and almost also like here I am, Lord, fill me up. Holy Spirit, do it. Do something new in me. Refresh me. I don't need all the weird, but yet you are supernatural. You're more than natural. So fill me in a fresh way. Let's just wait on them. Make room for them. We need them so much. Holy Spirit, need you so much we need the fruits of the spirit we need the comforter some of us today just need the comforter some of us need the convictor the one who lovingly comes alongside of us and says hey that's going to destroy you that's leading to brokenness I know that sounds really fun but it's going to kill you I've got better some of us just need his peace, his joy, his love. Holy Spirit, meet us today. It's you. It's you, God. It's you. We so often like to make it about us. We like to make it about the preacher or the song or the, the friend group within the church. But Holy Spirit, we just make room for you. Forgive us for being afraid of you. Forgive us for trying to stifle you. Forgive us for maybe going the other way and swinging out of control. Holy Spirit, we just want you. Whatever is truly of your nature to move in our lives, that's what we want. One glimpse. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. God, we don't have to hurry right now.
visit us by your mercy and grace, Lord. We're hungry, God. Your people are hungry for you. We long to know you more, God. We long to be transformed into the people that will carry the hope of Christ to the world. God, if I'm honest, I think, I think many of us relate to this. We're just afraid to be that. We're, we're afraid to go out there to our workplaces, to our schools, and carry the light right now. And so may the book of Acts and the example of this early church transform us by your spirit into bold Christians. Help us, God. not a follower of Jesus today and some of the proof has opened your eyes this morning please pray with me now please today right here right now receive Jesus don't wait don't put it off another day some of us in the room have have been here many Mother's Days before many Easter's many Christmases and we kind of go yeah that sounds great and maybe one day today today the scripture says says today is the day of salvation pray with me now if you want to put your trust in Jesus. Jesus, thank you. Just say this. Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the proof, the evidence that I saw today that you are alive, that the grave did not keep you, that you rose to be my Savior. Now put your spirit in my life, God. Thank you for this gift of salvation. One last group I want to talk to today, it's those who've been far. You know the truth. You know who Jesus is. You've experienced him. You know the presence of God. You've experienced it. And you've been running. Please come back today. Please look back to him today. Please surrender back to the Lord today. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I've been far, but I want you. And I thank you that you love me. I thank you that my sin does not separate me from you. Because, Lord, you pursue me. You've come after me, and I'm here today not by mistake. So, Lord, draw me close to you again. Do the heavy lifting. Invite the Holy Spirit into your life in a new way. Holy Spirit, refresh those who've been running today, Lord, and do a mighty work. Amen. Amen. Church, we're going to go deeper. We're going to go deeper in his presence in this series. We're going to go deeper in his ways. We're going to emulate best we can the work that God was doing in that early Acts church see what the Lord wants to do. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. I hope you sense a newness. I hope there's a life that you're seeing that's coming out of the Word of God and His presence here in this place. Let's come hungry every Sunday. Let's come ready to meet with Him and just surrender our lives to what He wants to do. Love you. Thank you for being here today.